Off top, the term mistletoe is derived from the Anglo-Saxon words for dung and twig. Come kiss me under the branch, please. Play the music. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. Welcome to the Dominique Foxworth Show. We are joined by Charlie, as usual, and of course, everybody's favorite person, Mina Kimes. Um, Mina, you seem like you're a great gift giver. Are you done with all your shopping for the Christmas holiday? I am done. Yeah, I knocked out a lot of it on Black Friday this year. Um, you actually went into the stores? No, but all the websites oh, yeah, right. started yeah, doing yeah. sales. Yeah, I, I, I like to think I give good gifts. Is there one? I mean, I'm not going to ask you to share it with me, but like, I feel like when I, I'm not a great gift giver, but when I do get a good mm. gift, it's really hard not to tell people about it because you're so proud and so excited. I don't have any gifts like that this year, but is there one that you're pretty excited about? Uh, the, 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 I won't reveal any of my gifts this year because I'm sure everyone right. in my life listens to this excellent podcast. I gave Charlie a gift once. Charlie, do you remember mm. the gift I gave you? Yes. You sent me a watercolor portrait of my puppy named Dobby, which is now hung in our entryway. Beautiful. There you gift. go. It's so thoughtful and time consuming. Like the fact that you spent time so doing that, it is a very good gift. Um, my only son, my one and only son. Hold up. One I know and only it, I have son. two dogs. What are you doing? My first son. Terrible dad. Speaking of sons, like Nino gave me a painting uh, of it's a Christmas tree with his foot as the tree. It's, That's so ooh. cute. So yeah. pure. I remember when I used to get away with doing that as a gift. (laughs) So, guys, we all got a gift for this Christmas Day. Check out this transition. This transition the best game of the year. That's our gift. And that's 49ers Ravens. And um, I got an angle I want to present to you guys. Kyle Hamilton. Our beloved Kyle Hamilton. Everyone loves him. He's great. He said the Ravens feel disrespected by being underdogs against the 49ers. My question to you all. Is Vegas actually giving them the Ravens too much respect by only making them five and a half point dogs against the 49ers. It's odd to me. First of all, that like we ask players about the spread. We (laughs) used to pretend like it didn't exist. Like I honestly don't remember ever knowing what the spread was for any game that I played in, but now I guess it's a, a thing because gambling is above board now, but it is so weird to ask players, at least to me, you feel disrespected by the spread. Uh, I don't know. I would rather ask players about the spread than ask them about takes. Like I, I, that's one of my pet peeves when at a press conference, you know, a reporter will be like, Oh, Ryan Clark said this on get up about you. I'm like, why are you making, you know, to a tongue of I love respond to like a specific Whereas the spread is like, actually like, Hey, this is what the, this is the closest thing we have to a, um, you know, an actual quantified evaluation of how your team stacks up or the perception of it rather how do you feel about that? It doesn't, it, I, I would prefer that. I'm just saying. Yeah, I guess you're right. What I, what is weird to me is just because it's different to me, but I've been asking, we were asked similar questions. Like no one thinks you could beat them. It's the same thing, but now putting a spread about it is a weird thing because as players, we're not supposed to be aware of it. We're not supposed to care about all that stuff. But now I, I know this wasn't the point of your question, Charlie. Your point was actually yeah, to break get down the game, please. analysis of the game. But I started there with that weird angle. So I spent a lot of my morning watching tape about these two teams and i gotta be honest mina as someone who grew up in baltimore as someone whose son loves lamar jackson so much that they that we named our cat lamar 
I'm nervous for this Ravens defense. So nervous for this Ravens defense. So the 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 um 49ers under center running attack. I think they are under center run as much like top of the league. The Ravens, or excuse me, the 49ers might do it the most. That if you're gonna find a weak spot for the Ravens defense, it would be under center runs. And the there are many things to be impressed about about the Kyle Shanahan offense. One of the things that I think is always there is the complexity that they force you to deal with, but it is still simple for them. So from the cutback lanes that they create to the point of attack, winning the edge with great blocking from Kittle and um, Trent Williams and also with 89, I forgot his name, uh, from Georgia Titan. But anyway, the point is they win the edge a lot. And then if they don't win the edge, then they do the cutback. If they miss a block, Christian McCaffrey, I saw in the Cleveland game, he did a couple of times of putting the guy and putting two guys in one hole with his body position. So he's so quick and he's so smart that he'll, if you imagine the line of scrimmage, every player on defense, the simplified, every player on defense, let's say is responsible for a particular gap. If someone misses their block and there's a free runner, Christian did this a couple of times where he would jump his body into a hole that's already occupied by a person, which the defender who was free would then overlap to get into that hole. And then Christian has set up a block for himself that was already missed. They have that you have to deal with. And then they use motion to get a numbers advantage, also use motion to create um, passing advantage. So I'm rambling on and on all this to say, I'm nervous for this Ravens. Five and a half is too small of a spread. Is that what all this came down to? No, I mean, I think honestly what I don't think they're going to destroy the Ravens defense, but I don't think they're going to have as much trouble moving the ball. And we haven't even gotten to the fact that, yo guys, Purdy's really good. I was watching him too. And he throws out of the ball. But anyway, I think fundamentally this game is going to come down to red zone production because I think the Ravens also have a chance to be able to move the ball. I think whoever performs better in the red zone is who I would project to win this game. And I guess Lamar Jackson is somewhat of a red zone advantage, but it's not like the 49ers don't have a ton of red zone advantages out there too. So I got a, a feels like a whole notebook full of notes that I, I'm sure we'll work our way to now, but Mina's here. So I should stop talking. That's right. The best case for the Ravens, the best argument that the spread is disrespectful is their offense. It's not the defense. Right. I, 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 the Ravens, it's, which is crazy to say about a Ravens defense that is arguably the best in the NFL. I would say it's between them and uh, Cleveland, very different styles. Uh, and it seems well equipped to play this Niners offense more well equipped than others because of the quality of their linebackers, the fact that they um, use a fair amount of disguise and play zone and do all the things I think we would, if we had to come up with ways to, to combat San Francisco. I, I don't, th- I still think San Francisco will be able to move the ball on them. However, Snyder's defense kind of can't stop the run, Dominique. Uh, I was watching them against Arizona, and they were running all – it wasn't just Kyler. It was all the backs, and this has been a problem all season. Now, they were missing uh, their Hargrave and Armstead this one, but even when they've had them in, they have been vulnerable to the run this year. They are vulnerable – um, to inside runs. They are vulnerable to runs using motion. They are vulnerable to running quarterbacks. The Baltimore Ravens do all those things. Uh, not having Keaton Mitchell sucks, but I think even just with Lamar and Gus Edwards, who's a really good back in his own right, they can move the ball on them on the ground. And for me, um, that's really what it's going to come down to. Can the Ravens put together long, excruciating drives 
can they break tackles? The Niners defense weirdly is missing tackles this year, which is bizarre to watch, but true. I, I, I think they can. That's my best hope for them in this game. It's on the other side of the ball where I do think they have some advantages. That's what I mean. That's why I ended where I ended with. I think it's going to come down to red zone production because I don't think either yeah. offense is going to have too much trouble. Like they're going to get stopped sometimes as long as there aren't turnovers. Either offense is going to have too much trouble moving the ball. Uh, the you think of a team that creates opportunities for their players, and automatically you go to the 49ers at first in, to your head. But I was looking at the numbers, and the Ravens are great at yards before contact. I think they're first in the year in the league for rushing yards before contact. And then they do something else with it on top of it because they have playmakers. And the diversity of their offense and defense, I think, are going to play to their advantage. But another thing that jumped out about me, as you can tell, I spent most of my time watching 49ers offense this morning, that we don't appreciate about how committed to blocking their receivers and tight ends are. There's another... Yeah, there's another byproduct aside from creating the big run game plays that I just picked up this morning that I'm not sure I took into account before is because they are so aggressive at blocking when it's play action. The defenders seem more eager to get past them. So like when they come out in a stalk blocking type of uh, posture and it's actually play action. You notice, it seems like I notice, and this is receivers included. I feel like I notice safeties and linebackers and corners, everyone coming downhill very aggressively because they're like, you know what? Debo and Ayuk and Kittle, they are going to block the out of us. And they're gonna and then they come out with that aggressiveness. So you also have safeties reading that and knowing, being prepared for that. So they're mm-hmm feel like they're coming even harder and faster than they would in normal situations, which I never thought about as a factor in how effective your play action game is. It's connected, I think, to how aggressively, because that's who our reads are normally. It's yeah, offensive no, line it's, and also those, those receivers. Yeah, usually when you think of the play action, well, the misconception is that it's totally tied to the uh, quality of the run game. We know a lot of it has to do with like the design of the run game, the play of the offensive line, you're reading your keys. But you're, I think your point is really excellent. If you have also the best blocking uh, group of skill players in the NFL, that's naturally going to affect the way defenses play it too. But you hit on something that I think is so interesting about that side of the ball, um, which is the Niners offense dictates to defenses more than any team in the NFL. They say they get you exactly how you want you in the looks that they want. And then they exploit that the Ravens defense arguably dictates to offenses more than any team in the NFL, everything they do with the disguise on the back end. And then the front, the simulated pressures, um, you know, which are so down agnostic. I think that's what's so fascinating about this Ravens defense, like the different pressures they throw. You don't know. There's no predictability in terms of down. So what happens when an offense that dictates meets a defense that dictates? Is it too risky, Dominique, for the Ravens to run some of those types of games? Or conversely, is it something they need to do because you can't just line up and play this team? Yeah, I wish I had the answer, but I could imagine both being right. I think uh, uh, one thing that I noticed watching this morning is it feels like the answers to our, a lot of answers are built into the the 49ers scheme. And that's how you end up getting dictated to by an 
as an offense is when you have plays that are designed to work against certain coverages and certain schemes. And that's why I think the Ravens being somewhat unpredictable about the down and distance, because third down is like, this is the blitz down for most of the league. All right. This is when we are going to blitz. So offenses come out normally on third and five, third and six, they come out with an answer to the blitz on that down. You'll see lots of tackles for loss with Kyle Hamilton blitzing off the edge on first and second down. And you can tell there is no answer for that for this particular team. And so as you are preparing for a game, there's only so many things you can put in. So like I mentioned, you normally put in a a group, a special group of plays. Like these are our reactions to blitzes. And these are reactions when they're not blitzes. You don't do a lot of that on first down because you're not anticipating a bunch of that on first down, which I think the wise thing that the, the um, 49ers have done is a lot of their plays work against zone and man and against blitz. So a lot of their biggest plays are like cross field overs and stuff like that, where they can max protect that. And if it's cover four, then you're relying on the backside safety or to cover. Yeah, fourth coverage ever. You're relying on the backside safety to uh, to pick that up, and you're going to challenge him. So they, they'll do like Ayuk, or they'll do um, Debo Samuel on a curl on the front side. And a curl versus cover floor, the safety's supposed to come and help. And then they'll run uh, Ayuk from the opposite slot to a deep over behind that safety. So you're essentially reading that safety. Are you going to take away this curl, or can you run with Ayuk in a full sprint? You might remember this, Mina, from watching the Seahawks game because they picked on Adams doing this a number of times. But that works against cover four. It's the same read against cover four. So if you blitz it, they have enough in to protect it. Then you got Ayuk running across the field with a guy on him. Again, it's a... It's a really good play against a blitz. Same thing for cover two. It works for cover two. It should work for cover three. And I noticed that a lot of their plays seem like somewhat agnostic to the way that they're being challenged. I think that's where the Ravens do have a decent shot in this thing. Not just what we're talking about, which is kind of the uncertainty in terms of the pressure looks. Although, as you said, that the, the Niners always have to have answers built in. But they do have players who can... Yeah. When they're forced into the situation, I don't, I mean, I don't think they're gonna play a lot of man coverage, but you know, at a certain point, things turn into that can keep pace. And then they're a very good tackling team. Cause the other thing about like, you're talking about how the Niners hit on explosives versus pressures, but really like the, the, the bread and butter of this offense is turning six or seven yards into 10 to 15. You know, it's, I mean, this is a known thing. The Ravens, what has so impressed me so much about this year is when they do play all those crazy games up front or whatever, when a quarterback does get the ball out and sometimes they're, they feel compelled to because of what they see pre-snap, they rally and tackle. They're a very good tackling team. They're very good at keeping everything in front of them. Um, I think San Francisco will have success running the ball against them uh, regardless, but I do think that they can limit some of what they do in the passing game just because of the players that they have on the field and the structure of the defense. Yeah, I think the screen game for San Francisco feels like what they go to when they are like in between, when they're thinking, like when they're trying to process for yeah, how like, they're going to attack a yeah, team. Yeah, Debo will they, probably get eight here. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, let's throw it out there, see how they react to this. And even if they react to it and have a free tackler, Debo will break it or Christian will break it. And you're right. It's going to come down to, I think they're probably both really well-coached teams, really smart, well-prepared teams. It's going to come down to 
they're going to find ways to get guys isolated. And the Ravens have guys who can make those tackles and make those plays in isolations. But how many times can they do it? And how many points can the Ravens put up on the other side? Because the best case scenario is you put them in, put the 49ers in a trailing situation. Oh, that's exactly, that's exactly what I was going to ask. Cause like, I feel like we spent a ton of time there on them stopping the 49ers offense. That's not going to happen. Like a real hot take there. The 49ers are going to score points. I'm much more interested about if the Ravens and Lamar Jackson extending plays which when we saw the 49ers defense struggle this year, it was the fact that they weren't getting home to the quarterback and the back line there, the secondary was sort of falling apart. I'm more interested. Do you guys actually think that the Ravens are going to be able to keep pace and score on this 49ers defense? They can. That's the best case for them in this game. I mean, we talked, I talked earlier about the run game, but um, the passing game. Yeah. It's, it's, can you extend plays? Can you throw at people other than Charbarius Ward? He's like quietly having an unbelievable season, by the way. Um, I think Zay Flowers is going to be, they move him around a lot and I'll be curious to see how they approach that with Ward. Um, But typically DBs play very far off of him. They give him a huge cushion and uh, they'll just pepper you with little hitches. Um, That's something I think uh, Baltimore can do as well in the passing game. Dominique, what I don't want to see from Baltimore is uh, trying to hit the big play too much. Yeah. One, because I think the Snyder's defense could stop it. Two, because Lamar has been inconsistent in throwing the ball downfield. Don't live and die by that. I mean, I, it will be there at times, and obviously, probably you have to hit it a couple times. But I think this offense can move the ball on San Francisco in other ways, and you cannot afford three and outs against this team. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. So Lamar's accuracy has been shaky, especially those deep down the field plays. Uh, I think it's enticing to want to hit those. Uh, but I think you're probably right. Uh, what I said earlier about it coming down to the red zone, it feels like it keeps reiterating everything we say, keeps reiterating that point. Uh, the 49ers have the best red zone touchdown percentage of anybody in NFL, and the Ravens are our 10th is 68.5 to 60.7. Uh, I'm not sure how that holds up in like a one game sample against two really good defenses, but that's. As long as I think the Ravens have an offense that when you watch it, you 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 know that it can move the ball on anyone and it can score on anyone. But there are times where they just fall flat. And I'm not sure that I can say the same for the for a healthy 49ers. It doesn't feel like they ever have those lulls where they just fall flat, but they also never go up against teams like this uh this ravens defense that have the players everywhere and special guys like kyle hamilton and uh smith and obviously queen that can get to everything see red zone defense who's better at red zone defense Hmm. i can't wait i cannot wait to watch this this game i i mean i i think one and two sorry one and two in red zone defense percentage touchdown percentage the tldr to like kind of put a bow on it is i do think the ravens can win but lamar needs to have like an un- an unbelievable superman performance which he's lamar jackson it happens i've seen this did, did it happen it feels like one where dominic deontay lee came on my podcast me and a time show featuring lee, lenny check it out and we talked about uh lamar as a runner this year and how it almost looks like at times like he's like kind of conserving his energy with some of his yeah. runs like he's not pushing it this is the game where you push it like i want to see lamar jackson just put on that cape and go crazy on the ground and if he does they get it they have a chance i really think they have a chance i'm picking yeah. mine or so 
Yeah. Duh. Duh. I'll pick the Ravens just because um, they're capable and we can't be one of those shows that all have the same logo. Pick who you think is good. Pick pick who you think is going to win. Um, don't, okay. don't pick because we picked the 49ers. Yeah, I, I, yeah there's uh, no logo. We're not putting up yeah. logos to be aggregated. On a right. podcast, the, the, the in people's heads, they're closing their eyes and imagining the logos come up. Give give your uh, actual take here. You actual can take is I Ravens can tell. win. You, you, no. Ravens win. Ravens you win. Are, I know you will. You are you such a... Yeah, he doesn't believe that. Coward. Coward. I believe it. I believe it. You guys are the cowards. You're going with the favorite cowards. Oh, yeah. We're cowards for sticking to our beliefs. Yeah, I'm sticking to my beliefs. All right. Bye, Mina. Fake, fake beliefs. All right. See you guys on Not the other side. Thank Merry you, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. All right, Charlie. We got a couple more games this weekend that I think are worth discussing with just the bros, even though we miss Mina. Dude's rock. Yeah. <laughs> I miss Mina already. All right, man. What do you got? All right. So last week, we saw your beloved Cowboys. I'm just going with all your favorites. We're just talking about the Ravens. Now we're talking about your beloved Cowboys. They got gashed by the Bills rushing attack, which for much of the season and much of Josh Allen's career was mostly non-existent. They're playing the Dolphins this week. The Dolphins are good at running the football. They have a lot of guys who are fast. Tyreek Hill looks like he's going to play. They've got Mostert. They've got HN. Do you expect the Cowboys to fare better against the Dolphins running game than they did against the Bills last week? I, I Yeah, I hope so. Like, I feel like given what they experienced last week, there has to be some attention paid to what they're going to do about this rushing attack. Um, I, I don't know that the personnel... I mean, there's nothing they can do about the personnel. The scheme is the scheme. They can put some wrinkles in. The tough thing about a lot of the wrinkles that you would put in is like stunts and twists, which could slow down their their uh, pass rush, which is what their like their D linemen are best at. Like, you don't want to have Micah Parsons doing all this weird stuff or Lawrence doing all this weird stuff to to break down the run game when he could be rushing the passer. So. On early downs, I expect them to do some things like that. Uh, and it also comes down to their offense being able to move the ball and score. Uh, once you get in the situation that the Cowboys were in last week, trailing by a bunch, it makes everything so much harder. Yeah. And the way that this team is constructed in a way that they're – I feel like I'm being hard on the Cowboys because when they get behind, they're not – it's like Great. coaching your son. You're always hardest on the people you love. <laughs> no, I think it's also just like you have to make some trade-offs. And I think if I were to build a modern defense, we talked about this a bunch last year. Yeah. Uh, like if I have to pick something that I'm going to be bad at, it's going to be stopping the run. But the problem is it seems like the importance of running the ball and stopping the run, it raises in January. Well, there's also like, there's one thing like giving up, stopping the run. And then there's another thing where you're just getting gashed for like 180 yards by James Cook and not being able to touch the football, having to play from behind when Josh Allen only has seven completions. Yeah, we talked about the Ravens earlier and how if you're picking a weakness for them, it is stopping the run. But it's not like they're atrocious. They're just yeah, like yeah. not not great at it. It's like the um, Eagles were last year. We're like, yeah, they can't stop the run, but they're really good at defense. But what we saw from the Cowboys last week, and like when I rewatched that game, I was expecting to see issues with effort because you normally don't have games like that unless people aren't running to the ball, but they were playing hard. 
Like I was watching Demarcus Lawrence make tackles all the way across the field, six yards down the field. And it was like, damn, they out here fighting and still getting mushed. Yeah. I don't know. That's the only time where I ever wanted to say, like, uh, I, I watched tape wanting to see an issue with effort. Cause then I could be like, no, nah, they just got to play harder. They were, they were just, uh, they were flat cause they just went on a big winning streak and they beat the Eagles. Nah, it's got their face pounded. I did think part of that though, like they, it was a total letdown spot after being the Eagles. And I, that makes me ask, can I, can I go full meathead sports TV sure. for a second? Which, which team needs it more? You got the, <laughs> seriously, cause you got the dolphins who don't beat yeah. good teams. The Cowboys had this like triumphant win, but then got mushed by the bills. These guys, they both need it. Who needs it more? Who needs it more? I mean, I honestly, I, I don't you mean hate this question. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not sighing because I hate the question. I'm sighing because it's a hard question to answer. I think the Dolphins definitely need it more because they're in jeopardy of like losing the division that we thought they yeah. had wrapped up a long time ago. The Cowboys, I don't think, have a chance at winning division. I guess there's some chance. You need Tommy DeVito to win one of these next couple of games. If the Cowboys went out, they win the division. No, 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 no. I, I believe right now the Cowboys have the lead because the tiebreaker is based on a division record, mm. but the Eagles have more division games left and in two, including two games against Tommy DeVito and the giants. So the Eagles, as long as they went out and they play the giants twice and maybe some other Kyler. team, Kyler, it's a Kyler oh, yeah. sandwich. Yeah. And so those are winnable games. I'd uh, hope so. But even if they lose, yeah. So they need to win all three of those games and they need to lose one of those Giants game for the Cowboys to have the divisional tiebreaker. So, yeah, it feels like they need it more. I mean, the, the Cowboys are going to get in the play. I guess it's about seeding for them at this point, unless they're going to win the division. So from a, a playoff standpoint, it's definitely uh, the Dolphins. And I also think that if we're doing the meathead psychology of it, the Cowboys have been to the playoffs a number of times with this quarterback and I think this feels like a more a more developed I guess team emotionally developed team and I love I you said this is this is the meathead take and then you talked about emotional development I mean I'm using words <laughs> that meatheads may not use but this is what they're talking about right when you say who needs it more it's about the it's about the mentality right oh yeah and maybe yeah, totally. i'm using they're like they're talking about the emotional maturity they're of not talking group. about it they're not using that terminology but that's exactly what they're talking about i and it's just about perception and i could be wrong even though the dolphins made the playoffs last year they still have a young coach they didn't have the quarterback that they their starting quarterback in that game last year they'd seem like a a team that's earlier in their journey and a team that feels a, that's been a little less battle tested and may feel a little bit more fragile about their place in uh, in their conference and in the league than the Cowboys. The Cowboys know their place. They got to beat the 49ers. It's not a great place, but I don't think I don't think that what you say place is losing in the second round <laughs> right i don't think that the cowboys lose this week and yeah, there's questions about like uh um are we are we actually a good team can we compete can we beat good teams in the same way that i think for the dolphins those questions would be there even if they won't put voice to it it'll be there in the back of their heads because mm -hmm. they're not as emotionally mature or tested as the cowboys are
I'm I'm sorry I made us argue about hypothetical meathead speak. That was no problem. You know, hand up my bad, bad <laughs> podcasting. But there is a meathead who I will never understand who I want to ask you about next. That's Arthur Smith. Um, last week after they lost nine seven to the Panthers, he had this quote: "We will die trying to make sure we get this offense right." Um, that got quote tweeted by some guy named Al Smizzle, who said that Al <laughs> Arthur Smith would rather die than give Drake London, Kyle Pitts, and Bijan Robinson twenty two targets a game. I have to ask you, you've been on teams. You've had coaches probably not always play the best players, but probably not to this extent. Is there any reason the Falcons should bring back Arthur Smith next season? My guy, Brandon Staley's out of the paint. Now I'm on to a new target. Yeah. <sighs> I got a lot of size out of you. Yeah, today. <laughs> I, yeah because you're asking really difficult questions. Um <sighs> It's hard to argue that you need to bring Arthur Smith back, given that his reason for being there or the reason why he got hired is because of his offensive acumen. And the reason why this team has been somewhat competitive this year is because their defense was surprisingly good. And normally you can explain away offensive troubles because you don't got the talent. And while they may not have the quarterback, they certainly have the talent. And you look around this league, I think this is one of the worst things uh, for a lot of coaches right now is you can find your doppelganger out there actually doing a good job. You know, like I feel like this is when you look at the Jets and you see the Browns out there playing well, you're like, it's hard to defend Robert Sala when you say, well, but the Browns are down to their fourth quarterback and they have a great defense and they're doing well. They also have, despite injuries to the tackles they have a good interior offensive line and but they're still down their quarterback and down their top running back and finding ways to compete with joe flacco who was just playing catch with his kids in the backyard a few weeks ago do you see him shave by the way Uh uh-uh he's clean face joe don't do it again joe grow it out (laughs) he needs a little stubble he's a stubble guy especially this time of year this is the time of year to grow it in and you are you're a pro beer guy. That's the vanilla snack always likes it. Your beard is blonde. It's kind of different. It's kind of white. It's yeah. a white mustache. Anyway, that's Santa that's back Man. To the game. Santa Man. Um, yeah, so it's they don't have much to show for it. And with this talent, it's confusing. Uh you can try to blame it on the quarterbacks, but I feel like Taylor Heineke is not terrible. Desmond Ritter. I actually seen him. He's up and down, which is a young quarterback recipe. No, I mean, he's not as bad as his performance has been. Like Desmond Ritter, I can put the I can put together a highlight tape of Desmond Ritter plays that would have you think that this guy is NFL quarterback. I know. I'm making. He's in the NFL. Highlight tape of Zach Wilson playing in the the NFL. Good, right? Which is the same point. It's the same exact point. That team should not be as bad as they are, is my point. Like you can't the only point I'm making is you can't blame it all on the coach. The quarterback has some ability. You have some players. Do something. Like my point is Desmond Ritter isn't so bad that it's an impossible it's impossible to have a productive, it's impossible to score more than seven points against the the Carolina Panthers. That's my point. I'm not arguing that Desmond Ritter should be a starter in this league. I'm arguing that Arthur Smith can't use that as an excuse, especially at this point in his career. Yeah, so well, this, that's is the, this is more more reason why it's all Arthur Smith's fault. If you think right. that the quarterback is even somewhat competent. Yeah, that's the point I'm making. The, get the ball to the good players. 
Get the ball it's, to Kyle Pitts, Drake London. Why did you draft Bijan Robinson eighth overall to bench him after one fumble? Why are you not using him the way we, we were a week into the season? But we were a week into the season, and Dominic, you you were so excited. You were childhood excited about Bijan Robinson. You said that outside of Tyreek Hill, or maybe including Tyreek Hill, he was ex- yep. explosive and as dominant as any skill position player in the league. Well, that talent didn't just go away. Get him the damn ball. You do not need to put him in the I formation and have three yards in a cloud of dust. This is an explosive player in space. Like, what is Arthur Smith doing? All you got to do is go and watch San Francisco. Just watch it and copy yeah. their plays. Just put Bijan in. If they go base, you spread them out and throw them the ball. If they go nickel, you put them in the backfield and run wide zone and let Bijan cut back and freak them. If they load the box because of it, throw to over the middle to Kyle Pitts. If they have extra safeties, throw outside to Drake London. Like it, it seems really simple to me. That's what the 49ers do. Counterpoint, counterpoint. All right, get with me here. What if we use Cordero Patterson and Matt Collins instead? Huh? Is that is that good offensive coaching? Is that someone you want to bring back? Daryl Patterson just, is an outstanding blocker. Yeah, so. but let's let's you remember this is the story. Let's run the offense through Pat Burke. I mean, Cordero Patterson to... is is a poor man's Debo Samuel. Like they have the 49ers recipe. Like, not that Cordero Patterson is is all the way there, but like he's a capable guy to do what the 49ers do, which is use their unique players to create mismatches and let the defense tell you what they're trying to stop with their personnel or their formation, and then you use it to your advantage. Like With an offense that's so flexible that they could have Algier, Cordero Patterson, and Bijan all on the field at the same time, and Kyle Pitts all on the field at the same time, we would send our person... Yeah, and Drake... Well, I'm leaving Drake London out of it because he, to me, seems like he is a receiver. I using the names that I'm using because we on the sideline, we see their personnel go in. And then we send our personnel in as a reaction to their personnel in order to make sure that they do not have any physical advantages. Like that group of players could be three running backs and two receivers. If you if you put Cordero Patterson out there, it could be five wides. Like it's just it seems like it gives you so much flexibility. And maybe that's the problem. Maybe he has too much to choose from and his brain is just overloading with opportunity he can't figure it out get somebody a little dumber in there get somebody in there that's pretty straightforward they got small guys we run it they got big guys we throw it i mean they didn't want lamar jackson because of desmond ritter and because of collusion but regardless like that's can you imagine can you imagine also like you no, know what? I'm, I gotta, glad. I gotta... I'm glad because because they would have messed that all up and then we'd have had to listen to people saying see ravens were right for not paying lamar yeah, he'd be playing DB for the for the Falcons with Arthur Smith. Um, I mean, look, it's time to I'm just gonna go out there and say it. Arthur Smith, you had AJ Brown and Derrick Henry. Like, this is why it worked. Like this it's why you had a guy who was completely unstoppable. You could run the ball when you were down because you had the best running back in like in the last 20 years on your team. You criminally underused AJ Brown, who's a top three receiver, but he still stretched the fields in way in, in ways that like are not normal on an NFL field. He is a geometry breaker for this team. And he might never have been that good of an offensive coach. But if you're going to argue that, I think that maybe the point is he is an offensive coach 
and the head coaching duties have gotten in the way because you can't argue the reason why he was successful was because he had talent. He got it now. And it's yeah, but those guys are two, two first ballot hall of famers. Okay. These guys could be like the talent yeah. is there for these guys too to do the same thing. Are you telling me that um, you think Kyle Pitts doesn't have the ability to do what Travis Kelsey does? Like he does have that athleticism. He doesn't have I mean, the quarterback to, to match, but he does. Yeah. I mean, Kelsey's like top five tight end of all time. Tough to just Agreed. assume it has a talent. I'm not um, saying that he can. I'm just saying, and maybe Kelsey's the wrong guy. Is the problem that he doesn't have talent in Atlanta? Hell no. No, no, no. Of course not. No. So then you can't make the argument that he was being propped up by talent in Tennessee if I think maybe it's just he's he's, he's spread too thin or something. He's distracted by facial hair shifts. I don't know. Or maybe it's just I hate it. He, he didn't have, you know, working under, Vra- uh, under Vrabel, he had less control. It's very possible. Yeah, which is good. Um, Sometimes people need some constraints. It's true. Like, I, I mean, Arthur Smith, Brandon Staley was a great constraint for you because now I've got my my sights set on your job. <laughs> um, last last question. God, we were just hammering the NFC South. He's just fascinating football. Um, but we have a matchup between the Jaguars and the Bucks, both of whom are probably going to the playoffs, both of whom are teams I don't know if we completely believe in. Um, Trevor Lawrence didn't practice today. People said that he's progressing and he could clear concussion protocol but in general macro situation which former first overall pick season has surprised you more trevor lawrence or baker mayfield <sighs> baker mayfield I think god it's... i've gotten three sides in a row let's go yeah because it's a yeah, it's a frustrating question as you ask a lot of frustrating questions today you're on your game you are definitely doing your job so i mean i think baker has been at enough stops that we thought it was time to close the book on Baker Mayfield. He's not even someone that I think many people are paying attention to. And we wrote off the Bucks season before it even started, but, and he hasn't been like great all year. He's been a little bit uh, up and down, but overall look at the entire season. I think like he's been good. Yeah. I don't think anybody had that happening. Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. We expected him to take some sort of leap and that team to take some sort of leap, but what we're seeing from Trevor Lawrence, and I guess we can chalk up the recent issues to uh, injuries, but what we've been seeing from Trevor Lawrence is frankly the Trevor Lawrence that we've been seeing, like we were expecting. Yeah. We, we said urban Meyer was a problem. They got rid of urban Meyer and then he got better. So they got rid of the urban Meyer baggage. And then we're like, all right, now his journey starts and we're expecting some progress. Maybe he just was that guy. He's the post urban Meyer guy. Like that's it. That's who he actually is. Or maybe that's who he is. And so, again, the injuries right now make it harder to make that assessment. But over the course of this entire season, there have been tough times. And he's also hasn't had the support. Like, they have been drop passes and and the defense has been up and down. But that game against the Ravens where he just is fumbling the ball without being hit and throwing the ball inbounds with only seconds left on the clock, that's mental stuff of the game. You can't blame that on drop passes or – uh, lack of defensive support or protection or anything like that. You know what I like about Baker Mayfield this year? What's that? He's the anti-Arthur Smith. He gets his good players the ball. He's just fed Mike Evans. Um, but, you know, I think you'll agree with this and have obviously a lot more candor on it. But when you're someone like Baker Mayfield and you've bounced around like that, teams don't have to believe in you. They're not invested in you. You're no longer the number one overall pick for them. They haven't, they haven't bet their franchise on you the way that 
the Browns did when they had Baker Mayfield. And so I feel like when that happens and you're in a quarterback competition with Kyle Trask, your job's not safe and it's really hard to play free and aggressive football and be incredibly productive and go from someone who is a spot starter to someone with a future in the league. And to me, that's shocking that Baker did that because he looked after his shoulder injury, um, after getting released last year and then just having what looked like a, a random game on the Rams, it looked like that might be it for him as a starter in the NFL. And I think that's more rare than a, you know, a quarterback with decent weapons and Trevor Lawrence just stagnating on a mediocre offense. Yeah. I mean, when we were talking about where can't, where, um, uh, Justin Fields is going to end up and is, does he have future? Mm -hmm. We've had this conversation a number of times this season when talking about Justin Fields is like, no matter how talented you are as a first round pick, it's rare that you go somewhere else and turn into the player that we all thought you could be. And I hope that it works out for Baker. I hope that it works out for Justin Fields in the future, but Baker's been in a few stops that was like, uh, nah, we're good. You remember it was just last year where he like landed in LA minutes yeah. before the game and won a game. And you thought maybe they could groom him to replace Matt Stafford, but nah, we good on that too. So it may work out and he's doing it without the support of a running game, but you're right. He's keeping it simple. Throw it to the guys that are good. And that defense is playing pretty well. So that helps. So I don't know. I'm rooting for him because you don't want anybody, especially a number one overall pick. You don't want him to be remembered as a bust. It'd be nice for Baker just to be remembered as an okay quarterback. That'll be cool, which yeah. is much better than the guy who got replaced by Deshaun Watson and then never landed anywhere else and just a journeyman. He's so accurate too. Like that's always and that's been, what went away for that went away yeah, for a while. That's always been the reason that I had any faith in Baker Mayfield was like, I know he wants to pretend like he's an athlete, but he doesn't have that athleticism. He's not all that big. There's the, his one superpower is when, when people make the Drew Brees comparisons to people, uh, I think Baker is the one where it like feels somewhat true because they both have at least at one point, superhuman accuracy and are undersized and not all that athletic, but not, not um complete Tom Brady's in the pocket. Yeah. And they're thick. <laughs> little fire hydrants playing quarterback. Yeah, little square body quarterbacks. <laughs> Love a good um, square body quarterback. All right. That's all it good? for the NFL stuff. Yeah, you Bomani time? Yeah, let's talk to Bo. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, on Yeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finished, shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small, and when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. 
Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash DF today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash DF. All right, welcome in the great Bomani Jones. We are just coming off of doing Fox for Friday on his show. It was a classic. I enjoyed it. We went from uh, uh, Scarface to football to a bunch of other deep and mostly hilarious things. But uh, what I am left thinking about is something that I wanted to say, but we ran out of time over there, is I feel like a lot of teams are trying to add fancy things. Like if it were a car, they want to add some rims and some speakers without understanding that you need a nice solid foundation, which if you want to have an elaborate, fancy offense, cool, that's nice. But the fundamental of of football is you got to bash somebody sometimes. And that's what we are reminded of about those big games coming this weekend. Yeah, you got to get your chassis right. (laughs) There it is. I know the right word because I don't don't do car stuff. Yeah, you got to get your chassis right. But no, this is... This is where, like, the infiltration of the doors became problematic because in the end, and I'm not saying this is somebody who's played a zillion games of football because, honestly, if I had, I'd be dead. But I know enough to know the reason why I ain't played no zillion games of football is I ain't want them people hitting me. And you are never going to turn football into a game where execution – well, execution matters. I don't want to say a game where execution matters, matters more than anything because I guess in a way it does. But it matters in a very fundamental way, right? Like, it's not if we, if we get this right, and this thing here goes here, and we time this just perfect, and da 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 No, sometimes it's just going to be, we're going to line up across from you, and we're just going to beat the hell out y'all. Yeah, I feel like that's like a foundation of it is before you can get to the execution. And maybe there are some teams that can out-execute you, even if they are inferior physically. But before you can even get to the point where execution matters, there has to be a level of physicality. Like, I think that's the first stage you have to clear. And even if you're not the most physical team, you have to be comfortable with the level of physicality, which is why I think you and I sometimes look back on old football in a way a little bit nostalgic and also try to remind people that it's still football no matter how much they change the rules. But one of the other ways that I'm reminded of that is the MVP race. And we've gotten to a place in modern football where – the most valuable player is always going to be a quarterback. And that is also nothing is all bad and all good, but I feel like we get presented the idea that the influx of the nerds is all good. One of the byproducts of it. That's not great. In my opinion is now we can, we measure value in a way that's undeniable. And if we are going to be looking for the most valuable player, it's impossible in modern football for it not to be a quarterback when in actuality, what I want is the most outstanding player. Yeah. And I think that's why that's what offensive player of the year is there for, right? Like it's, it's so you could go give that to Todd Gurley this year if you want to. Cause I mean, you look through it historically with the exception of like those 2000, like I mean, Eric Dickerson ran for 2,100 yards and did not win the MVP. Now, granted, Dan Marino threw for 5,000 in the same year. So, you know, maybe it was just bad timing. But this is still, like, largely a quarterback-dominant year. And we all going to need – look, we just going to need to make peace with the fact that unless something drastic changes, Brock Purdy's going to be the MVP. 
Right. Like, I think, like, everybody needs to strap up and get comfortable with that. But it's not, it's not as crazy as people make it out to be. When you remember that Brian Sipe has won an MVP, for example. Uh, Matt Ryan, I mean, it seems unfair to Matt Ryan to compare him to Brock Purdy, but Matt Ryan has an MVP. And at never at any point did anybody think that Matt Ryan was the best quarterback in the league. Jalen Hurts damn near won an MVP last year, right? Like, okay. these things happen from time to time. It's just so hard with Purdy, unlike any other MVP candidate that we're thinking of, it's not even that you don't feel like he's the best player on that team, on that offense. You don't feel like he's playing the best on that offense. Even with the cra- – I mean, he's averaging 10 yards in attempt. But do you think he's playing better than Christian McCaffrey? No. Do you think he's playing better than Trent Williams? No. Did you see what happened when Debo Samuels didn't play? Yes, right? But he's going to win the MVP. Like, we just need to – well, let's not make more out of it than we should. He's going to get rich, too. But he's going to win the MVP. Well, hopefully he stay healthy and get rich eventually. But I am pro party for the MVP in part because it feels like we're changing the rules on him. I am not pro quarterback win the MVP every year. I wish that we, which is why I said most outstanding. I wish we could go to a place where we are more subjective about this. But to your point, like if you look at, it doesn't matter who his teammates are. There aren't MVPs who have bad teammates. So arguing that the teammates are are making it for him oh, to oh, me. Oh, Pat. Patrick Mahomes last year, um, yeah. I mean, he didn't have all bad yeah. teammates, but yeah. it looked a lot like these dudes he got now. Yeah, they're pretty bad. I mean, I guess I would argue that Travis Kelsey button um, was great, but I get your point. There, there, it's a rarity. Like it, it's almost yes. the the um, example that proves the rule or the anomaly that proves the rule. So, I feel like if you are looking for a reason to not give Brock Purdy the MVP, it is all subjective. Because all the advanced statistics that we normally use to sift out the quarterbacks, he's winning in those too. So, like, I don't know anybody who's making an argument. So, like, the argument I could get behind not giving the MVP to Brock Purdy is something that I sincerely believe in. But it feels just to do it now because it's Mr. Irrelevant. And part of the reason why we treat him like this is because he was the last pick of the draft. If he was a number one overall pick or a first-round pick, we'd be acting like he was the second coming right now. Well... I think part of it is the Mr. Irrelevant part. I also think part of it is he's not very big, right? So I think even if he had been a first-round pick and not been very big, um, I don't know how, how, you know, how he goes. The other part, let's keep it real, man. Jimmy messed it up for him. Like, we saw Jimmy do very similar things in a very similar place, and we watched him trade three first-round picks in order to replace him for a dude that I, wow, hadn't thought about him in a few months. Um, he's over there behind Dak, just minding his own business. Brock Purdy, MV, it's, it's here. It's going to happen. Now, what's going to be fun is watching San Francisco figure out how much money they got to pay him when All that time comes. All of it. Like he has to become the next highest paid quarterback. And so I think before I move on to that, I will say I'll add this to it. It's a point that Gojo's made a couple of times is that Brock Purdy also doesn't do anything that's eye popping. And he doesn't have like a thing that you can point to that we can say, oh, he's special because he does this. He looks like kind of yeah. regular. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you get away with not paying, assuming that they continue to have success. He continues to stay healthy. I don't know how you get away with not paying him the highest paid contract in football. Well, let's see how he looks next year. Cause they don't like, this is year two for him, right? Mm-hmm. They don't have to pay him. So we're going to see how it looks next year. Then after next year, they got the issue. Cause we, since he wasn't a first round pick, they go like, he got a four year deal rather right. than that five, they go need to figure it out. 
from there. There's possible, you know, it's possible you're going to have some measure of regression. What's going to be interesting to see, though, he did not play well in that game against the Cowboys in the playoffs last year. Like, we don't have all this yeah. Brock Purdy. We have not seen lights out Brock Purdy. And we were very apprehensive about Jalen Hurts until we saw a lights out Jalen Hurts in the playoffs. And we had to see it all the way until we saw lights out Jalen Hurts in the Super Bowl right. before we got there. But if they get behind, man, no matter how good you think Brock Purdy is, Brock Purdy thinks he is better than, than you think Brock Purdy is. And he will go out here and try to make it happen all by himself. Those of us who watched him play in college done synced it, man. Done synced it. He will do some things. And that's where this is going to be fun. It's one thing to be Josh Allen when you look like Josh Allen, when you built like Josh Allen. It's another thing when you do that kind of stuff and you Brock Purdy. And, and there's no confirmation bias, or I guess the confirmation bias pulls in the other direction for Brock Purdy than it did for so many people for Josh Allen, who are willing to give him time. But one of the things that I believe about quarterbacks is that it's more about time than people give it credit for, is getting... Uh, being in a situation where you have time to add to your game, you know how basketball players go away every offseason and add something new to their game. I think the same is true for quarterbacks is you can refine a different part of your game when you have the coaching staff, the offensive line, the running backs and the receivers to take pressure off of you to allow you. And Dak is probably the best recent example of that is like, you and I go back a long ways to where we thought that they should put Tony Romo in. And when they got in the playoffs, because we had watched Dak, Dak was out there coasting. He was not ruining for them, but he was not doing anything special that first season, but that was the time for him to get experience. And then he looked really great in that game that they lost uh, to the Packers. And then the following season is a little bit better and a little bit better. And then we get to the point now where, I mean, Dak is among the best quarterbacks like I think there's like one tier of quarterbacks above the like the Mahomesian tier that people would like but Dak is in that group he's he like straddles the line between that group and the next group and has been squarely in the Mahomesian tier even though Mahomes ain't great this year he's been squarely in that for much of this season so I think there's something to be said for Purdy having this time to develop into a better passer the same for um Lamar Jackson, and I mean, it's, it's true. And Josh Allen, it's true for everybody, I think. And uh, Jalen Hurts, you give them time to develop, they get better. And that might happen for Brock Purdy. If it doesn't happen for Brock Purdy, it don't matter. They're still going to pay him because you know, supply and demand, baby. Hey, man, he put up numbers to get time. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Like, that's the one good thing about it. He gets the benefit of the doubt. Like, that's, that's where that true. GTBW could be coming in for him. Like, he's done enough now that he'll get the benefit of the doubt, man. They was trying to walk Lamar Jackson down about his money after an MVP and everything else. Now, never mind that me and you always knew they was going to have to pay him yeah. one way or another. But people really sat up and raised the questions. And with Purdy, if Purdy gets the MVP, I don't, I'll be curious to see what happens if he starts slow next year, how people then handle that. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe I I find it hard to make an argument against anything involving Josh or Josh Purdy against Purdy right now, given what he's accomplished. I think there is another step that he needs to show. But like I think that's true of a bunch of quarterbacks. Like you could still Lamar is still kind of in that place now where he hasn't made a deep playoff run. That don't mean he does he don't deserve to get paid. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. It, it, especially with um. Shanahan's history with quarterbacks, I don't think he's going to let one get out the door that's running his offense this well. Well, they also going to have to pay him just around the time that, in all likelihood, Christian McCaffrey's not going to be that good anymore. Yeah. 
It's gonna like, be tough. Like we can't lose sight. I mean, I mean, McCaffrey is currently 27 years old playing running back. You got one more year of this, really. That I don't even know if you can count on to one more. And and they had trade away some picks. It's gonna be harder to rebuild around them because that's that's the dirty little secret about about roster development is you never get to a point where you can have success without hitting a couple draft picks. You're gonna have to hit somewhere. We always talk about the rookie quarterback, yeah, because that's it means so much. If you can hit there with a rookie quarterback, then it's easier to build a roster around them. But you're gonna have to hit. Not you need. Not you want to hit. If you're going to have success, you're going to have to hit somewhere else with some picks. And it is hard when you are giving away first rounders for a player that you eventually gave away. Look, if you are betting on your next year, 28 year old running back, who, by the way, is leading the league in carries this year. It's not an exorbitant number. Like it's not numbers like we grew up with, but still. Right. And a guy who, by the way, has a bit of an injury track record. Mm -hmm. Okay, you can only bet on having that guy play at that level. But so long. This year is their best chance to win. Like, I don't think we're talking nearly enough about this. This isn't like a ready-made dynasty sort of situation. Trent Williams, by the way, not young. Mm-mm. Like, while, while we're having this discussion, Kittle. George Kittle, not young. Like, this is, this is the year for them to get this done. Even Armstead, you start going over there, not young. The Nick Bosa money, about to kick in, right? Fred Warner, I guess he's still young enough. Um, and they got the buddy at safety whose name I can never remember, but he's an all-pro. Yes. But this is the chance. Yeah. This is the time. Yeah. They better get this done. All right, Bomani, I appreciate you again for coming on for another week. Everybody, you know where to check Bomani out. Uh, I feel like I don't have to promote your show because if they know about this one, they probably know about that one. But you should. But I you will. still should. Anyway, the right time. The right time. <laughs> Download it, rate it, review it for my man at all the places you get podcasts. Also on YouTube, too, right? All right. Yes, we are on YouTube. Five stars. Not five oh, yeah, stars. yeah. Five stars. If you do four stars, then you're a hater. Ain't no haters awesome. listening to this. All right, bro. Thanks a lot. That's right. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Dominique been lately? Bad or good? Let's find out. This is Roses and Thorns. All right, Roses and Thorns, your favorite part of the show, especially Bill Barnwell. Special shout out to Bill Barnwell who says this Hey, Bill. He listens to this before anything else. I'm so and was, oh, yeah, your favorite part of the show with my favorite person, I guess. Are you Am person I a person today? today? Yeah, it's not. It appears that you're a reindeer or something. <laughs> Which so one? Festive. I mean, the two right answers. Um, I don't know, Prancer. 
Dancer? I don't know all the reindeer's names. Prancer and Dancer and Comet and Vixen. Vixen, that's the one. Or Rudolph, because those were the only two appropriate answers. But my lips are, so it kind of counts. I never wear lipstick, so the fact that I have red lips, I'm giving Rudolph vibes. That's what I was going for. Gosh. Anyway, hey, babe. Happy Merry Almost Christmas, everyone. I hope you're done with your shopping. If you do Christmas shopping, if you don't, good for you. Um, Don't start next year. Um, But yay, Christmas is coming. It's almost here. This is our last episode before Christmas, maybe. Are we doing an episode on Christmas? Christmas. Are we doing one after Christmas? I don't know. I'll figure out the schedule. I know uh, I'll announce Oh, because you could upload one for Christmas Day. And we got a bunch of games on Christmas Day, so we'll probably do one after Christmas, soon after Christmas. So, um, at some point, we'll get to, like, Rose and Thorn of the Year, a nice way to close out the year. But before we get there, I have kind of an unrelated topic. It just jumped out as something that I thought would be interesting to talk to you about. So, see on social media, people are doing polygraph tests with their significant others and my I've first this trend. was would that be something that you would want to do to either be on either side of it um there are no questions that i really feel like i can think of that care to ask you on a polygraph i mean i wouldn't be scared to do it i also i know it's like real science right like yeah. polygraphs right like it's trusted mm. but yeah. like it's not admissible i right? personally don't like, trust it yeah, and certain, like, I don't know. I mean, you're the lawyer, but I I'm guess that doesn't mean that you know, know. law in every jurisdiction. Yeah, but I feel like it's not admissible in some cases. But anyway, it's not about committing crimes. It's about, I guess to me, this question is more about how much honesty do we really want? And this might be a weird take for me to have. Maybe I'm being a little salacious, but I think a little lying ain't nothing wrong with a little lying. It's a little lie is okay to... I mean, but what are we lying about? Are we lying about, like, that you actually did not think I look like a vixen dressed up as a reindeer? Or are we lying about, like, that you actually didn't like the thing I cooked last night? Or are we telling big lies? Like, my mind isn't even going to. We need to ask about big lies. But, you know, maybe now I'm a little concerned. Uh-oh. So, I mean, I don't think... I think I said it in a, like a headline clickbaity way where I think that lies are important to a relationship. I'm not sure. I mean, what I type of lies? Yeah, I don't know what type of lies. I think the wrong, I'm saying it the wrong way. I'm saying it the way that, that sounds the best for somebody to want to click and learn more. But I think it's about being able to present what you want to present and what is best to present. I don't think I want anybody completely in my head, no matter how much I love them or, or how much I trust them or care about them. There's some things that I feel like I don't want. And I, I can't even imagine what the question is that would yeah. feel like some sort of violation. But it, like, I don't, you, you're annoyed that I don't share my location with you permanently. I ain't doing I let that go. But I just think it's creepy. They don't need to know where I'm at all I the time. I let that go, though. I do think, like, for safety reasons, I don't think it's nice that you don't. But I have let it go. I don't know why you're bringing it back up. Um, I actually agree with you on this one. Like, I don't know what the question is that you would ask me that I wouldn't want to answer. But I agree. One, because I'm... Like, like in my mind, that I don't trust the science is like, okay, like, I could tell a lie and... I could control my breathing and my pulse and would never know that I was lying. But flip side of that is I could be honest about something and they could say I was lying. And then like you could never be sure if I was lying about, you know, this awful well, thing guess, or not. I don't even mean, and you could take out the, the, the lie detector test part of it because the validity of the test isn't as important. It's more about like 
actually being able to to understand or to know exactly what someone is thinking and know their true feelings. So if it's truth serum or something like there is some level of and I feel like the times when you are most annoyed with me are a result of me being a little too honest. Like today when he said the kitchen that, you know, is nearly done that we've been working on where he told my sister that my sister was saying how it looks so pretty with the way the pillows are. And he was like, I like it. I was like, Ash! <laughs> like, like what happened. Yeah. I didn't say I don't like it. She said, um, it's so, said, I don't agree uh, or something. Like it's so cozy or happy or something. I was like, agree to disagree. Yes, exactly. So you basically said you don't like it. So you're right. And I, but, but I know these things about you, but I guess there are more that you don't share. So you're right. Like, but I think we normally disagree on these things. But yeah, there's no reason for us to be in each other's heads. Like, yeah. we're good. I'm we surprised, don't. honestly. I, I know, I, you're shocked, right? I thought now you're wondering, what is she hiding? <laughs> oh, no, no, I don't care. Hide what you want to hide. That <laughs> uh, was not my concern at all. I just was surprised that you didn't want to know. I, I'm not surprised that you wouldn't want to submit to one, but I'm surprised that you wouldn't want me to submit to one. No, I'm good. Like you know what's funny? Know. And he's going to tell me I'm lying, and I'm always too tired to pull my phone out, but Dominic talks in his sleep. Um, and the past two nights... You like said a lot of curse words and he doesn't even curse much. So I'm like, oh, he's stressed out right now. He, he's dealing with some stuff. But I always am like, what if he says something? But it's like he never said anything. I mean, he doesn't say like totally outlandish things. Like oftentimes it's not even like complete sentences that make sense. Um, but I just hope I don't say anything because dreams are weird. There are lots of crazy things happening yeah. that are. And so I might say something yeah. that you will hold a grudge for because for sure. I do remember that I was in trouble with you yeah. for a few days, at least because of something that occurred Bye-bye. in your dream, yeah. which is not completely fair. So if I said something in my dream. So, so, and it's not truth serum, but I'm always worried that if you, so kind of like the same thought, I'm always worried that if you were to say something, um, that I would think like it's something that you really believe or feel and like it was something that hurt my feelings or that like, you know, was something I didn't want to hear, but I always like perk up and listen up and I'm so mad that I never am with it enough at night, particularly not lately because I live on NyQuil because I've had a cold. I would say all winter, but winter just started today. So like all fall and in the winter it feels like um and so i worry about that i remember once when you're in business school you said one of your business school classmates names as a girl um and there was like nothing tracked about this girl or interesting but still i was like oh so anytime you mention her be like whose name said while you were sleeping <laughs> um so so that's the close i think we get to truth serum the way and actually Two nights ago, I remember last night or the night before, you were talking a lot, like, and I'm a light sleeper, um, so it wakes me up, it woke me up, and you were, like, saying, like, cursing, aggressive stuff, like, stuff you wouldn't normally even say, and I just, like, hit your hand and pretended that I woke you up back, so I was like, oh, I was just reaching for something, sorry, but I want to be like, shut up, I don't know what's coming, like, he might be like, F this bitch, my wife gets on my feet nervous, oh, God, I need to leave her tomorrow, and I don't want to hear all that, so I think that's why I'm confident knowing that I do not want to do a lie detector test. I don't, I, don't like, I don't like that the Dominique Foxworth show audience is finding out uh, the same things about Dominique Foxworth at the same time that Dominique Foxworth yeah, finds out. Yeah, because I just let it go. Weird. 
I no, nah, I mean, I, I generally keep a lot of stuff bottled up. So everything that I say is the things that I have not said all day. So make sure you next time take out a notepad and write it down. It's no, no, like he's angry. He's real angry about some stuff. But as long as he ain't gonna talk to me about it, I'm gonna talk to him about it. And we're gonna keep being happy into 2024. Um, I don't so believe dreams are like some sort of, I don't know, people who think you know. that. I don't know the science behind all of that. Maybe it is some sort of look into your subconscious. I don't know. What type of dreams? I mean, I know we don't always remember all our dreams. So what type of dreams do you have most? Wet ones. Okay, you're so disgusting. I was being because I, I think like I, like at least last few nights you've been cursing a lot. <laughs> so I guess I have violent dreams. I think so. I've had the. I don't really have a lot of dreams that I remember, but like yeah. the one that stands out in my mind is like. Um, game preparation is like I'll have dreams about having a game tomorrow and like the stress and like still you'll have those dreams yeah the stress and anxiety everyone knows how dreams feel real the stress and anxiety and excitement like the good parts of it too are like you feel them in your dream then I wake up and you're like huh, I don't gotta do that today but I guess the one thing like my dreams aren't true but the dreams that I remember lately most are like really happy dreams with people that I was close to who have passed. And it's just like normal, it's just like they're there. Or like maybe it's like I'm a child again and I'm at my grandmother's house. Um, and so that is somewhere in my, like it's like real somewhere, you know? Like, I mean, it's not real obviously because it's not yeah, happening, no, it. but it relates to like things I wanna feel. Like, or or sometimes fears, it's like losing people that I'm close to. Um, and those are like deep fears of mine. And so. I don't know. So I think dreams sometimes, at least for me, they come from like a place yeah. of, so that's why when you start going too much, I'm like, okay, vegan, don't want to hear anymore. Don't want to do a lie to Dr. Jess. Don't want to know what's going on. I don't want to wake up. I want to kiss me on my cheek. I want to be happy. I want to grab my hand during the night. Um, I don't need to know your deepest truths, especially if they have negative thoughts related to, mostly to me in them. Um, you can tell me anything negative about anyone else. I don't want to know my own deepest truth. Let's just keep it going. I'm I'm a <laughs> let's not rock the boat type of guys. Keep mm. working, make things happy, have a good time. Um, I will say though that the you're right. Dreams have some connection to it. I don't know how we ended up on dreams. That wasn't the plan, but uh, I guess because I be, think that they're related to truth right. and like I don't want to know your truth. Like I don't want to hear you cursing at night. I think they are related to truth, but I'm not sure that out. I'm not sure that they are related to like some deeply suppressed yeah. feelings, but. Yeah. Uh, I think maybe it, they're related to feelings more so than to truth. Maybe it's like the opposite of what we're saying. No. Is there, is that a thorn? Is that my thorn of the year that I wake you up and stress you out? No. No, you don't do that much. That's just been the past few nights that you had these aggressive. Also, you completely made it up. Well. I didn't make it up. You know what's funny is like, I know we were supposed to be thinking of roses and thorns for the years. Oh, one thorn, this isn't something that matters to me that much, is you didn't believe that Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift was a real thing. Your cynicism can be thorny, but it's a thing that I embrace about you. So actually, I take that back. That's not a thorn. Because anyway, I just throw in there. I believe it's a real deal. Um, I don't have a thorn. Like, and I think I have a rose. The rose is like, honestly, just like, even though in some ways, like we've had a rough year, like I know some people who done like work on their house and then they suddenly sell their house because <laughs> they divorced or some crap. Um, um, obviously not everyone, but like, that with the kids, we've had some surprises, whatnot. Um, but like that, we're still good. And on the one hand, I take it for granted because when I married you, I certainly was like, duh, we'll be married forever. I think both of us have models of relationships and our parents were like, they've been together our whole lives. Um, and so that was my expectation. Um, 
and like obviously I want to be with you but then you look around and like as life gets real you're like no like anything any year like you hear people like I think when I hear people divorce at like five years of marriage or two years of marriage I'm like oh whatever but you hear people divorcing at like 14 which we're coming up on 14 or like 20 like 30 like like and even 30 that it's like okay maybe like you waited to raise your kids and stuff and then you just grew apart but like but these years in the middle kind of like like these teen years when I hear people divorcing then I'm like what like why and so my rose is that despite what the year started us we are here and we are happy and I obviously think we would have time to talk in whatever outside of this 30 minutes every Thursday that we record. But I think that doing this together, I used to, we used to always say earlier when we talked about different businesses or projects wanted to be involved in like, we, I could never work with you. And like, obviously this isn't working because I don't get paid. Um, but, <laughs> but, and I don't deserve to get paid. Like it's not, I enjoy coming here to talk to you. Um, it's not that big a value add, but I appreciate the opportunity to do it with you. Um, and I don't have a thorn and I think that's great obviously like not everything's been perfect I'm sure for you this like constantly expanding house renovation and budget could and be a thorn that's huh? my thorn. It's my turn. You just did your whole well, thing. Well, no, I just but I want to finish and explain why thorn. I don't have a thorn and I think that's great Because like I don't think holding on to the negative stuff like yeah, you you grow from it Like I think it's just I'm more of a glass half full person and I'm more optimistic and I want to like build on the positive um which is that's me or just in general in general I think that's how I am like and I don't want to focus on the negative even though arguably you should because like you should grow from that too but I really like cannot think of like a thorn that's been more than like a day or two you know like and so so thank you for that thank you that we're still here I love you what are your rose and thorns only you don't have to give me a thorn actually I can't, I can't, um, I can't top that. I think it's good. I agree with you. I ain't no quitter. So, I mean, no matter how bad it gets, you're stuck. Oh no, I mean, stuff, it's, I we, stuck. we anticipated that this year was going to be challenging. And I think the biggest rose that I have for you is a recurring one is that you are surprised me with a lot of things in our relationship. One of them is that you are a crisis person, <laughs> which gets bad, you are at your best, which would not, doesn't jive well with the anxiety that you carry around, but I guess it's a combination of you always expecting always some bad to happen, so that when it happens, you're like, yes, told you, and then you jump into action, so it's nice to know, it's a really nice feeling to, to know that when stuff gets really um, hectic and tough or challenging, um, I don't got to stress, I just know that. I'm going to be told to do something, and as long as I do it, we're going to be all right. And I don't have to be the guy making the plans or losing hours of sleep, because you're going to do that for me. Stay up three extra hours in the middle of the night and figure out exactly all the things we need to do to address the latest challenges with our house or kids or family or anything else. And, and also, yeah, you, you do a good job of bringing all of our families together, something that I'm not good at. And as I get older, I appreciate that those relationships are there and you are helping to um, foster them, even the ones on my side with the people that I don't reach out to or talk to that much, you maintain those relationships. It is a great asset to have, so. I love watching you grow into someone who values that more, by the way. Um, hmm? I love watching you grow into someone who, like, yeah, you're not the one that necessarily fosters it, but I, I really don't, care I hate those people. It. I just was trying to seem nice <laughs> on the show so that people like me. No. I don't want to talk to any of them. Leave me alone, everybody. Just me. Thank you. And 
scene. I love you. I love you too. Happy holidays, everyone. You know how they do their um, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? There's Prancer and Comet and Cupid oh. and Donner. Okay. But do you call the oh, best okay. producer okay. of all? And then, so like you have to like start with all the different producers' names. So okay, go ahead. Okay. You can start with Sarah. Thank You, Seraphine. Okay, do it to the Temptations right. tune though. Or is it Four Tops? You know who I'm talking about. Thank you, Serafina, Megan, <sighs> Brian, Kevin, Charlie, and Ashley, and Mina, and Bomani. This has been a great show. Also, thank you to all of you people for everything this entire year. For listening. And for listening and comment. Mommy didn't and sing it like the Temptations. And, I don't know. I can't sing. I'm not a temptation. That's not what I was here for. You know, I there's Charlie and Serafina and Bomani and Mina. Megan Ooh, and nice. Cor Cortez and Oh yeah, I forgot about Tez. Yeah, I didn't forget about Tez. And Oddville and Oscar. But do you recall the greatest guest of all? Rudolph. I mean Victor Ashley, whoever you want me to be. This is the Dominique Foxworth show.